Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. In May of 2017, Jan Garwood was driving home from a meeting in the suburbs of Orlando, Florida, when she got rear-ended. She was driving home, and she had just a fender bender with someone on the road. That's Hillary Hogue. She's a guardianship reform advocate who worked on Jan's case. Jan was 67 years old, a retired hairdresser and real estate agent who had been having a tough few months. Jen had three sons, and one of them died of a terrible disease. And like any mother, she went into a deep depression. Jen was still struggling with the grief of losing a child, but knew she needed to get back into the world. And now, her car was totaled. She'd need a new one. Jen had the money to afford a new car, only it was in a trust that her late uncle had set up on her behalf. She asked the trust company for permission to withdraw the money she needed and expected life to return to normal. Well, whatever the new normal was for her. But even as Jan got back on her feet, some of the people in her life were worried. Nobody knows who for sure, but we do know that somebody called in a professional guardian to assess the situation. The guardian's name was Rebecca Fierle. So Rebecca Fierle filed a petition alleging that Jan was incapacitated, a.k.a. that Jan was no longer of sound mind. And back in 2017, a professional guardian in Florida could file a petition like this for anyone. Rebecca Fierle's petition laid out a very different version of Jan than how she saw herself. It claimed that she had a seizure disorder, poor judgment, and was a vulnerable, at-risk senior who's a victim of potential financial exploitation. Rebecca Fairley filed a petition to determine incapacity, stating that Jan could not handle her financial affairs, her day-to-day routine, and that there were absolutely no alternatives to guardianship and that one had to be appointed to basically step into Jan's shoes and become Jan Garwood. If there's no one in the family able or willing to take on the role, the court will appoint a professional, someone meant to act in the person's best interest, which is a huge deal when you think about it. Somebody making decisions for someone else? The court doesn't take it lightly. So the first thing the judge did upon receiving the petition was appoint a three-person committee to examine Jan and make a recommendation. He also appointed her a court-ordered lawyer. And this is where things start to go very wrong for Jan. These guardians and attorneys and judges have all the power in the world. So Jan did not even know that there was a hearing to determine her capacity. Now, it's important to remember that at this time, when she was having this assessment, Jan was still grieving for her son. She was depressed. 
However, the committee that examined Jan recommended that she be placed under guardianship. Her two sons weren't prepared to take on the task, and no one else in Jan's family stepped up. So the judge appointed the woman who filed the petition, Rebecca Fierle, to take over all of Jan's financial and personal decisions. So it happens, it happens in seconds, and that's part of the horror of it, that Jan did not have a chance to speak up and defend herself. Wait, wait a minute. What just happened? Because it feels like in just a few seconds, Jan lost a lot. Her right to vote, hold a job, right to get married, choose her own doctors or attorneys, or drive a car. She could no longer make medical choices about her own health without her guardian's permission. Her guardian, who is, mind you, a complete stranger. So everything from what you eat to the doctors, if you have a family doctor, you're not going to see that doctor again. You're going to see the guardian's doctor. Everything is under that guardian. You are, as a ward of the state, dead to the law. There are about 500 professional guardians across Florida, and it's wildly easy to become one. All you got to do is pass a background check, take a course, and register with the state. Most of them work hard to look out for the well-being of people in their care. When a family is unwilling or unable to look out for an elderly relative's best interest, having a professional guardian can protect them from abuse. As a guardian, you have total control over a person's life physically, mentally, and financially. But it's also a huge responsibility, one that leaves so much opportunity to financial mismanagement and exploitation. It is absolutely horrific that these guardians who have only taken a 40-hour course can have all this power. Jan would have her life completely thrown aside by two guardians who seemed more interested in her assets than in her well-being and there was almost nothing she could do about it. Once you're in guardianship, the chances of getting out are slim to none. I'm Alzo Slade, and this is Cheat, the podcast where we ask, is it ever okay to break the rules? This week, we look at how somebody can take over your life legally and what happens when it goes horribly wrong. Welcome to True Spies the podcast that takes you deep inside the greatest secret missions of all time. Suddenly out of the dark it's appeared Bin Laden. You'll meet the people who live life undercover. What do they know? What are their skills? And what would you do in their position? Vengeance felt good. Seeing these people pay for what they'd done felt righteous. True Spies from Spyscape Studios. Wherever you get your podcasts. Have you ever felt like escaping to your own desert island? Jane Gaskin did exactly that, trading in the family home to begin a new life in the tropics. But she soon discovers that paradise has its secrets. I'm Alice Levine, and this is The Price of Paradise, the island dream that ends in kidnap, corruption, and murder. Wish you were here? Follow The Price of Paradise now, wherever you listen to podcasts. Shortly after the court order, 
Rebecca Fierle showed up on Jen's front doorstep. She asked to look around. Jen was living quite comfortably in Longwood, Florida. It was a 4,000 square foot home with a swimming pool in a lovely area. Jen had been placed under plenary guardianship or full guardianship by the courts. Her rights had been taken away and everything that Jan owned, like her house, was now managed by her guardian. And the guardian was there to take an inventory of everything Jan owned. Now, there is never an outside person who is observing. It's not filmed. It's just like me going into a stranger's house. And then once they're in there, well, anything can happen. And if there's you know, elderly people, for whatever reason, they like cash. I know stories that there have been tens of thousands of dollars and the guardian has taken it and put it in their pocket and it's never part of the inventory. Despite having always lived a totally independent life, suddenly Jan found her freedoms deeply curtailed. If Jan wanted to get her hair cut, she'd have to ask her guardian to withdraw money from her account for her. The same if she wanted to buy groceries or hire a house cleaner. It's kind of like being a kid again, begging your parents to give you some money. Jan no longer had access to any of her credit cards or her bank accounts. It was all in Rebecca's hands. She had hold of all of Jan's finances and her daily routines. Rebecca Fearley did everything, which of course drove Jan crazy. Jan was furious. She knew she could handle herself, and she set out to try to prove her case to anyone who would listen. So Jan would call all the services, Department of Children and Families, the police, uh, the judge. But no one was willing to step in. Still, Jan persisted. Then in September of 2018, Rebecca suddenly resigned. At the time, Rebecca was overseeing hundreds of guardianship cases in Florida. Jen, however, was going to need a new guardian. The court appointed Denise Willis. Denise Willis and Rebecca Fearley were in business together. Denise Willis went to the courthouse. She got the paperwork signed to remove Jan physically from her home and put her in a Baker Act, which is an involuntary placement. The Florida Mental Health Act of 1971, or the Baker Act, is an emergency commitment order that allows for involuntary institutionalization. It can be initiated by police, judges, therapists, even close friends. All you need is proof that the person being placed under the act is a harm to themselves. And since Jan had been deemed incapacitated by the court already, well, the court approved the request. The police came to remove Jan from her home. And they knocked on the door and said, get your clothes, you're coming with us. And of course, as an elderly person, seeing the police, Jan had no other alternative than to go because they would have taken her out in handcuffs. In March of 2019, Jan was taken to a nearby assisted living facility and placed in a memory care unit. Usually, patients in that ward have advanced Alzheimer's. Jan was placed there not because she had memory problems, but because the court thought she'd be a flight risk. The unit is a locked facility, and Denise, Jan's new guardian, 
set strict rules about visitors. She wasn't allowed communication with the outside world, no phone. Uh, she did have a TV, but absolutely no visitors allowed. So Jan was stuck with no means to call for help. She felt like a prisoner, and who can blame her? Jan had a house, a car, a life, and now she's stuck in a locked facility with no way out? It was like a horror movie. And just to add to it all, her new Guardian-approved doctor started putting her on all kinds of new medication. She had no idea at the start what they were. She would take them and put them in her mouth, and she would flush them down the toilet. Over the next year, Jan's life grew smaller and smaller. It was dreary. It was depressing. The rooms were, were smaller than small. Jan wasn't allowed makeup. Uh, Jan never got new clothes. She only got different clothes when a resident died, and she went through a garbage bag to see if anything fit her. To Hillary, all of it felt very intentional. The reason that you are isolated is because that is easier to control someone. Jan was locked in a dead-end cycle. If she wanted to make an accusation against her guardian, she could only appeal to the court the same probate court that had placed her in the care of that guardian. And her attorney, also approved by that probate court. And there was little incentive for her attorney to step in. The motivation is money, period, the end. We are talking hundreds of thousands of dollars yearly. And everyone gets paid by the ward. If I am Jan Garwood... I'm paying for my attorney. I'm paying for the guardian. I'm paying for the guardian's attorney. I'm paying for the home health. And you cannot fight it. To fight a guardianship is sometimes I feel worse than fighting the devil. Jan was worried about what was happening to her bank account. She wasn't allowed to check the balance. Only Denise could. But she got some inkling of what was happening about a month after she was placed in the memory care facility. That's when she got a notice from the court that her guardian was petitioning to sell her house. It was almost too much to bear. Jan had already lost so much. She tried to make the best of her situation. Jan became friendly with all of the, the workers in the locked facility because she could hold a, a conversation. She'd spend hours talking to her roommate and got really good at getting her to take her medicine. She'd make tea and coffee and deliver it to other patients in the ward. And the nurses noticed there was something weird about Jan being placed in the memory care unit. She seemed way too independent to warrant this level of care. She didn't need them at all, really. There was one nurse in particular that Jan grew close to. Jan told her everything, from the death of her son to her crash to being put into guardianship against her will. And the nurse knew that she had to help. Jan gave her her son's phone number, and they spoke. Together, the nurse and one of Jan's sons came up with a plan. One evening, the nurse got in her car and drove to a quiet, secluded spot. As she pulled up to the destination point, she saw a young man that she recognized from Jan's description. So one of the nurse's assistants met Jan's son 
in a parking lot and did a pass off of a little phone. It was a small, discreet phone, which was good because as far as forbidden items go, a phone was number one on the list. Jan's son had already set the phone up for his mom. It was fully charged in his name and all the bills would come to him. When the nurse gave the phone to Jan, she emphasized how careful she needed to be. If anybody caught her with it, it would get confiscated immediately. In order for Jan not to have that tiny cell phone confiscated, she would sleep with it under her pillow. Jan would wait until her roommate was in the communal lounge to make calls to one of her sons. And even then, she'd only do it from the bathroom. She kept an ear out for any footsteps in the hall. And she had quite a few problems with the phone charging it, but she always managed to keep it secure. One day, while sitting in her room, Jan decided she needed a way to get her message out to as many people as possible. So she turned to a platform she knew would help spread her message far and wide, Facebook. The post verbatim said, help, I'm in a fraudulent guardianship in a locked facility. The post spread beyond Jan's Facebook network to guardianship reform advocates across the country. I have a friend who's an advocate in Texas, and she reached out to me over the phone and said, did you see the post? And I said, what post? She goes, there is a lady who is in a locked facility being held captive under a guardianship. The story sounded very familiar to Hillary because it's something that Hillary had seen before. Her own father had been put in a guardianship by a family member, unbeknownst to Hillary. It took a whole year of fighting in the courts to get the guardianship removed. Seeing what I have seen in the probate courts throughout this country, I had no other alternative than to dedicate my life to helping victims as my father, whose only crime was growing old, having a large estate and living in Florida. Hillary knew she needed a team to help get Jan out of her guardianship. She couldn't do it alone. More on that after the break. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. So I was sitting in the office and Hillary called me. That's Vito Ropo, an attorney from Naples, Florida, who specializes in elder law. And she said that she was contacted by a person over in Seminole County and this person needed her case looked at. Hillary knew Vito from other guardianship cases and told him about Jan's situation. I did know her shortly before Jan's story as someone that uh, was advocating for injustices in the guardianship system. She's called me and asked if I would help on several cases and I'm always willing to help her if I can. Vito says the majority of guardianship cases are installed for good reason that the system is meant to be a last resort and a safety net. They could be in a coma, let's say. They can't make decisions for themselves. Someone has to advocate for them. Someone has to make the best decisions they can for them. Someone has to decide, you know, is this person gonna move to nursing home A or nursing home B? You know, whether it could be financially, I mean, someone has to decide, hey, this person has money sitting in a bank account. We need to put it into an investment account and we need to create an investment strategy so that this person's not losing out on future income and ultimately future care for themselves. So I would say, you know, close to 99% of all guardianships are for good. I mean, they are needed. It's the five to 1% that really go bad. And when they go bad, they go real bad. Jan called Vito soon after. She explained what had happened from the beginning. One thing quickly became clear to him. Jan seemed perfectly competent. You know, sometimes in guardianship cases, it's really hard to cipher who is capable of thinking for themselves and who is not. But when I spoke with Jan, there was no doubt in my mind that this person needed the court to relook into her situation because she was not the typical case and it did not seem as she needed to be where she was. Jan asked Vito to represent her. Vito and Hillary met up in person and started to work out a plan for getting Jan out. In the state of Florida, when someone's in a guardianship, they're not able to contract, which is one of the delegable rights that were given to the guardian. So even though Jan has asked me to represent her, she's unable to legally hire me. And that's the first problem. Jan had told Vito that her guardian wasn't going to make it easy for him. So I was looking at this from the perspective of, all right, well, in order for Jan to properly hire me, I need to um, request the court's permission. In order for me to do that, I need some sort of basis for that. And that basis was getting a new medical report made for Jan. Vito needed to know that her status as, quote, incapacitated wasn't true. But it was unlikely that Jan's usual doctor, the person chosen by her guardian, would be willing to look into it. So I was able to find a local doctor who dealt in guardianship and asked her if, um, if she'd be willing to, and Jan was willing to, would she speak with Jan for the purposes of rendering a medical opinion to the judge that Jan's case needed to be looked into, at the very least. The doctor agreed, and agreed to do it for no charge. And I mean, who would have paid her? The doctor had a long call with Jan to test her mental capacity 
and told Vito that she believed Jan did not need guardianship. And she wrote that opinion, and I took that opinion, and I attached it to a motion that I filed with court. Vito asked to be Jan's appointed counsel. Quickly, the guardian's lawyer threatened to sue Vito, claiming that the motion was a frivolous waste of everyone's time. Things got nasty fast. So, you know, of course we didn't back down. It further solidified, you know, in my head that what I'm doing is the right thing. You know, I need to help this lady get what she deserves and what the court will allow her to have restored. And it essentially told me that I need to keep moving forward. Although, you know, now I know who I'm dealing with and I need to do so cautiously. By the time a judge finally set a court date, it was 2020 and the pandemic was wreaking havoc on the state's court processes. Vito recruited a local lawyer, Leslie Federigos, to help make sure Jan's case didn't fall off. Leslie lives in Orlando. She was familiar with the Seminole County court system a lot more than I was because she's, she's from there. And she also took an interest in Jan's case and wanted to help her get out of guardianship. By now, Jan had been in her guardianship for nearly three years. But Vito was determined that Jan's nightmare wouldn't have to go on for much longer. Find out what happens next after the break. Throughout the summer of 2020, with the help of Hillary, Vito and Leslie got to work. They'd hop on Zoom calls daily, trying to brainstorm ways to free Jan. At that point, we determined that um, it didn't matter if we got paid. We just wanted to help Jan. They finally decided their best chance was to try and get the courts to reassess Jan. And the court appointed Jan's primary physician as a physician to look into Jan and to determine if Jan needed the guardianship any longer. This was a court-ordered medical assessment that would take five hours. It would test things like memory, decision-making, and cognition. Now, that's taxing for anyone, let alone a 71-year-old who had been locked away with the bare minimum to keep her mind stimulated. Hillary and Jan would have calls where she'd prep Jan on the kinds of questions to expect. And I gotta say, they weren't all that easy. It was gonna be things like spell world backwards. d world shit. <laughs> Another test would be to give Jan three words like young, umbrella, and Switzerland. Wait three minutes and then test her to see if she remembered them. Why would you remember those? Hillary was super stressed out. And God forgive me, I was wrong and I gave Jan the wrong answer. You know, it, they're just questions that you don't need to know the answers to live a daily life. I, I mean, just foolish, foolish things. The physician held the assessment in person at the assisted living facility. That day, Vito, Hillary, and Leslie all waited with bated breath to hear how things would turn out. This was the moment of truth. And the primary physician wrote a detailed report uh, to the judge and essentially told the judge, Jan doesn't need this. She doesn't need this at all. The physician wrote, she is fully capable of handling and executing her own personal, medical, and financial affairs. Finally. For three years, 
Jan had been trapped as a ward of the state with almost no ability to advocate for herself. But now, with one very long, very intense assessment, the court had changed its ruling and Jan was relieved of her guardianship. She could walk up to the front desk of the assisted living facility and say, I'm leaving. And they couldn't stop her. Jan called me and she told me, you know, I'm out. And it was one of the happiest days of her life. And for me, it was, it was an awesome feeling. It was an exhilarating feeling. You know, you help someone, you essentially freed someone and gave them their rights back. I'll never, ever forget the morning when Vito called me. He goes, you're not going to believe this. I'm like, what? He goes, you're not going to believe it. Jan just had her rights restored. And her son, Alex, I called him and he was over the moon happy. He basically ran and he picked Jan up and just, just... Happy days are are here again, the fresh air, the sun, the food, the freedom to go where you want without being told you're not allowed to. Jan was free. She was free to have control of her own finances. She could vote again. She could call whomever she wanted at whatever time of day. But three years in a guardianship, had left Jan's finances a mess. As we speak, and I believe Jan said that she had over $100,000 in antiques and jewelry in her home that is missing, that has vanished into the abyss. And more than likely, she will never see that again. It took us three months to get her driver's license reinstated. There is a life insurance policy that is missing. There are nine monthly payments of her pension that are missing. But it wasn't just the money that was gone. Remember that comfortable 4,000 square foot home with a pool? Well, her guardian had sold it for way under its market value. When Jan was put in the locked unit in the Palms of Longwood, the administrator's daughter bought Jan's home. And everything about it was completely legal. Willis's attorney had previously said that the sale of the house and the handling of Garwood's finances were all duly approved by the court. Today, Jan lives with her son and his girlfriend in a two-bedroom apartment in Altamont Springs. And unfortunately, is struggling to get by on whatever little money remains of her assets. But at least she's free and able to make her own decisions again. Still, for Vito, it's hard to make peace with what happened. In our legal system here in the U.S., if we look at the criminal system, there's a theory that, you know, we would rather allow four convicted or four criminals free than put one person in jail that shouldn't be there. We have to take that mentality more in guardianship. And, you know, the current system is just not working in that way. This might not be the first time you've heard of a pretty painful guardianship story. Now! 
That was the sound of a Free Britney march. The Free Britney movement gained momentum during 2020, where her fans fought to end her guardianship, better known in her case as a conservatorship. After a series of public breakdowns in 2007, the courts placed Britney's father as her guardian. In the 13 years of her conservatorship, Britney released four albums, headlined a global tour that grossed $131 million, and performed for four years in a hit Las Vegas residency. But she still wasn't allowed to make any decisions for herself. That included medical treatments, getting married, and even her birth control. It took an entire movement from her fans and multiple documentaries to get a petition filed with the courts to remove her conservatorship. Getting media concerning guardianship is very difficult, but they are the make or break for getting help in guardianship. Where we are now, thanks to Britney Spears, it's been fantastic. Guardianships are complicated. They're designed to protect vulnerable people who can't take care of themselves or their finances. We've all heard stories of elderly folks who live alone and struggle to pay their bills or get their medical needs met. But this is also a system that relies on people who have good intentions. And unfortunately, like in Jan's case, not everyone does. And before we go, I want to ask you, can you remember those three words I asked you to earlier? Hey folks, thanks for listening. Just a reminder to follow Cheat wherever you get it. And please do leave a rating and a review if you like what we're doing. It helps other people discover the show. And of course, we want more listeners. Also, if you want to listen to the show without the ads, you can subscribe to Cheat Plus. It's like Cheat, but better. It's just $2.99 a month, or if you're in the UK, £2.49. And you get all of this without having to listen to those annoying commercials. Just go to Apple Podcasts and hit subscribe instead of follow. You can try it for free now. Next time on Cheat. Bobby McCray blows up Bobby. They're going to hit him as much as they can. It's right there in the fiber of the game. You want to just crush the enemy. Four years ago, whoever thought this would be happening? You know, when 85% of a city was underwater? In a production business, we'll never forget about him. Kill the head, the body will die. Cheat is presented by me, Alzo Slade. This episode was produced by Harriet Wells. The executive producers are Lizzie Jacobs and Tom Koenig. The series editor is Megan Dietrich. The original idea for the show was developed by Tom Fuller. Mixing and scoring by Martin Peralta at Output Media. Kyra Asabe Bonsu is our associate producer. Special thanks to the Sony legal team. Our production coordinators are Jennifer Mystery and Iker Egbatola. Egbatola.